Welcome to Declaration, where we exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. Here at Declaration, we believe that God has a word for you and for your family, to live a life of fullness and to be faithful to Christ and His church. If you want to know more about who we are at Declaration Church, then I highly encourage you to visit declaration.org. Well, it's good to be here this morning. I hope that you are having a great day. Everybody all coffeeed up and what an incredible, can we just celebrate the Lord? Baptisms, dedications, I mean, what an incredible. Hey, if you're in fifth or sixth grade, we want to celebrate you right now. Let's clap for them as we dismiss them to their class, fifth or sixth grade. Keep clapping. Let's welcome everyone joining us in the online fam. We're glad you're with us today. Well, I'm going to start this lyric. You finish it. Deck the halls with boughs of Tis the season to be. That went way better than I thought it would. <laughs> Jolly. All right. It's a season of joy. Tis the season of joy. Anybody feeling some joy in the house today? Anybody? I hope so, man. Who sends Christmas cards? Anybody, anybody do that? That kind of archaic lost art? <laughs> Christmas cards, uh, Christmas cards, that, that's kind of a thing, right? One of, well, I've always been one of my mom's favorite traditions, actually. And, and why is that, you may ask? Well, I think it, it gives her joy, but also she kind of gets to check in on her peeps. You know, now you can just kind of Facebook stalk all, all the time. But she would always get these long letters and send these long letters back in the day. She loves that stuff. I was thinking about Christmas cards the other day. I ran across this little gem. Maybe your card looks like this this year. I'm not sure, but let's show that picture. Yeah, joy. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody, <laughs> right? Joy, yeah. But can I just take just a few minutes? I want to celebrate a few things just for a sake. Can we do that? Just a few things. I know we're, it's 949 and that's okay. We're going to be here till 12. It's going to be a good day. But <laughs> we get to be a part of bringing some joy to some kids right here in our area. Why? Because you heard Pastor Daniel say today is Give Wall Collection Day. That's so incredible. Did you know that through the Give Wall Initiative, we are able to minister to 65 different families right here this Christmas season, which represent 210 kids from our Grand Oaks and Oak Ridge feeder zone, which covers 14 different schools. How incredible is that? And that's because, you know, because of your generosity as we continue to give, these are the things that we get to be a part of. So we've got this privilege there. Thank you, can I say that, for loving Jesus and loving people so well through Radical Generosity Church. Can we just give the Lord a hand for that? Because I know that that's a heart of obedience. Also... Through our serving and through our giving, um, I didn't do this last week as much as I would have liked to, but I knew that joy was coming, and, and, and I thought, what an appropriate day to really celebrate this. Christmas bash, come on, somebody. That was unbelievable. I mean, just when I think that our team could not, like, imagine anything more, I felt like you walked into this room, and it felt like downtown Disney. Anybody else feel like that? It was unreal. They did. Yeah, four of you. Good. No, it was, it was awesome. It really was. And I just want to thank so many of you. It took 85 different people that we know of just like throughout working it. That's not including set up or pack up. 85 different people to actually man that thing and to make it happen. And so I want to thank you for your generosity. Thank you for serving. That's so incredible. Um, 145 families took photos with Santa Claus. And you ready for this metric? 61 of those families have never been to Declaration. 
That's what I'm talking about. Now, here's, here's what's cool. Last week, and maybe this week too, last week we got to welcome quite a few of those families back to the church for the very first time. And so thank you. This is what I'm talking about, community outreach. I love that we got to bring some joy into the community through the House of Declaration. Come on, somebody. Let's clap and celebrate that. That's awesome. One more, one more. Let's celebrate this. Setting the table, setting the table. Obviously, we got to grow Bash this year, and that was incredible. We were able to serve any more, you know, even more people than before. We, we were able to hire a brand new kids pastor, which you heard from during baby dedication, Sharon. Let's celebrate that. That was awesome. And can I tell you this? Just under her brief tenure so far, our kids ministry has grown. We're growing. You know what that means? That means we need you. Everybody hold your hand up like this in the air, wave it like you just don't care. Yeah, you know me by now. Good. You just volunteered to serving kids. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. It's so great, but seriously, it, it really is, it's a blessing. In fact, I was talking to a, a family last week, and they said, well, this is our first time to serving kids, and they had the big eyes, you know, like, and then they said, man, that was so much fun, and so just know this, you, you will be blessed if you decide, you know what, I've been dodging the draft a bit, but it's time to get in the game, all right? It's time. Man, go serve those kids. That's The generations are so important. One more highlight of, of setting the table because of, you know, as we are giving, as we are giving, we were able to break ground on the campus, y'all. So that's coming. One day very soon, that will enable the joy only found in Jesus to be declared for many, many, many generations to come. It's going to outlive all of us, and that's so cool to be able to be a part of that. Well, okay, did y'all, uh, that song that we sang, I got the joy, I got the joy, I got Come on, somebody. <laughs> Speaking of joy, three simple things in this world. I saw this 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 last week. Um, I think Pastor Aaron actually showed it to me. But three simple things. Maybe this gives you joy too. Three simple things that give so much joy. Right here. Just read that. Just. just thank you. At least three. Every time. At least three of you. <laughs> It's kind of like I heard, I heard the story of, of the man who felt very compelled to give the guy $100, and he was filled with so much joy when that guy put his gun away, that kind of thing. It was very good. Joy. Joy. Let's define joy this morning. Webster defines it as this. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. It uses the word delight. Uh, part B, the expression or exhibition of such emotion, gaiety. Um, number two, a state of happiness or felicity, bliss. Lastly, a source or cause of delight. Now, the Bible defines joy just differently, a bit differently, because when we know Jesus, um, joy, it, it just embodies so much more. The presence of joy. We know that joy is not, listen, joy is not the absence of sadness. Joy is the assurance of hope. It's not the absence of sadness. It's the assurance of hope. Um, Woodrow Kroll once said, we rejoice in spite of our grief, not in place of it. Why? Because biblically speaking, the difference between joy and happiness is substantial. We often assume that the fleeting feeling of happiness or giddy laughter or contentment in the comforts of life is akin to the joy that we experience in Jesus. But joy supernaturally actually sustains our souls. The joy of the Lord is our strength through seasons of heartache, through injustice, which we've seen plenty of in our world over the last few years, through sorrow. Enduring the valleys of life is nearly impossible without the life-giving fuel of joy in Christ. 
joy. See, there's a big difference between joy and just happiness. Happiness is a reaction to something fleeting, something temporary, maybe something great. But joy is the product of someone great. See, my buddy pastor uh, Josh Joins said it this way. Happiness is determined by our happenings. Happiness is outside. But joy, joy is inside out. Right? C.S. Lewis once said, joy is the serious business of heaven. So as we continue in our story of Luke chapter 1 this morning, I want you to consider the things that we've been thinking about, the things that we've been discussing, talking about. Surely now, generations had come and go, many experiencing probably many brief seasons of happiness, but also they've endured seasons of sadness, seasons of loss, seasons of wandering and wondering, seasons of grief. Um, we don't know all of their stories, but we know that, that they endured 400 years of what seemed to be completely complete silence from God. Imagine living in a time frame where God seemed completely silent as if ambivalent, right? Think about our main characters, Zach and Elizabeth, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Surely they had known seasons of great happiness. Surely they had had moments of happiness, seasons of contentment, but also they obviously had probably endured seasons of hardship, seasons of sadness, unmet expectations, not receiving the blessing from God of children. The children that they desperately wanted. We see that just contextually with how Elizabeth responds. You know, the blessing had passed them by. And then Zechariah gets this holy visitation from the angel Gabriel, breaking the long silence of God. Gabriel tells them that they're going to receive this blessing of this baby to be named John. And John would not just be any baby. He would be part of the Messianic prophecies spoken long before John would be born to prepare the way for the Messiah. This is where we pick up in Luke 1, Go there with me, if you will. It was the sixth month now of Elizabeth's pregnancy. You remember her? When God then sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now, Mary is engaged to be married to a guy named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appears to her and says, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, the scripture says, Mary tries to think of what can this angel be talking about? What does he mean? The angel says, Don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. So now much like the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, we've got another birth announcement, if you will. We've actually got two birth announcements, right? First was the birth announcement of John, who would prepare the way for Jesus, who would prepare the way, if you will. The second birth announcement is Jesus, who would be the way. So Gabriel goes on to say in 32, he will be very great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So forego the fact, here's Gabriel, an angel, visiting, hanging out, talking to her. Forego the fact that he just gave her this download, if you will, that she's going to conceive and carry God's son, and obviously that this baby Jesus was the prophesied Messiah that God had promised, that the people had been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for. Here's Mary. She's confused. She's somewhat disturbed, possibly even freaking out just a bit because there's an angel hanging out her house, right? And she says this, look in verse 34. She says, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. How can this be? Now, similar, we saw Zachariah ask a question somewhat similar, yet still altogether different. I want to show you. Mary says, but how can this happen? She points out what she knows to be true. I'm a virgin. She points out the obvious. There's some limitations here going on. Mary, or you know, Gabriel, 
There's some limitations. She points out, you know, maybe why she should not believe what he's saying because of what she knows to be real in the physical realm. It got me thinking, how many times have we been guilty of only focusing on our circumstances rather than putting faith in God's promises? Right? Mary responds, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. But if you look at the differences in the questions of how Mary responds versus how Zechariah responds, Mary says, how can this happen? But Zechariah in verse 18 says this, look, he says, how can I be sure this will happen? How can I be sure? I'm old. My wife's old. We've been waiting a long time. Where you been? 40 years ago? That would have been good news. <laughs> Still good news, but where were you? See, in other words, he's saying, convince me that I can now trust God after all this time. After all this disappointment, after all this waiting, after all this praying, after all this longing, after all the begging, after all the nights that my wife cried herself to sleep from not having the blessing because she's barren. After all the suffering, after the shame of not having blessing, how can I be sure this will happen, Gabe? Mary just says, how? I mean, she's young, she's innocent, she's lowly, she's naive, but she knows that the science doesn't quite work out on this one. She also knows because of her engagement to Joseph, this could look possibly scandalous. Not only that, but it could now demand more faith. Similar question, different motivation. One responds with skepticism and suspicion. The other responds in wonder and in worship. When God speaks, listen to me, how is it are we responding when God is speaking? But unlike Zechariah, Gabriel's response to Mary is quite different. Look at it, verse 35. The angel replies, the Holy Spirit. Here's the X factor. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the baby will be born Holy, he'll be holy, joyfully set apart. He will be called the son of God. See, Gabriel's telling Mary, the spirit of God will anoint you for great purpose. His power will completely overtake you, overshadow you. You're gonna be pregnant with the son of God. It may sound crazy, but listen, Mary, you are going to carry inside of you the hope of the world. You will carry within you that Don't miss this. You will carry within you that which had been prophesied as the promise of God. That which generations have been longing for, waiting for. He's saying, while you may not fully understand the gravity of this moment right now, you might not fully understand the gravity of exactly what it is that you will carry within you, which is the embodiment of hope. It's the assurance of peace and it's the fruition of joy. This is going to change literally the world See, God will not only come near you, God will live inside of you. The presence of joy will take residence in your life in every way. Look what he tells Mary in 36. What's more? It's like, hey, and check this out. Your cousin Elizabeth, she's become pregnant in her old age. <laughs> People used to say she was barren. But she's conceived a son and she's now in her sixth month. In other words, he's saying, he's saying, you can trust what I'm saying here to be true. The world always sees the limitations, but the world doesn't know what God can do. Listen to me, church. God can take what you think is barren and turn it into a blessing. I hope that this is a hopeful promise to you. I mean, may this fill your heart this morning with the presence of joy, that God can take what you think is barren. It's over. And he can make it a blessing. 
says, people used to say she was barren, but now she's conceived a son and she's in her sixth month. Gabriel says, for the word of God will never fail. Proving, though there are obvious limitations to what man can do, there are no limitations to what God can do right? God can take what you think is barren and turn it into a blessing. And his blessing will include the presence of hope and peace and joy. I love how Gabriel doubles down on what he said to Zechariah here when he told him in verse 20, for the word of God will never fail. In other words, what God says, God will do. When God speaks, his word is a promise of a provision to come, right? And unlike Zechariah's response of unbelief to what Gabriel said, look how Mary responds in 38. She says, I'm the Lord's servant, May everything you said about me come true. And that's when Gabriel leaves. See, at this point, Mary hurries now. She leaves. She goes down to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, in the country of Judea, where Zechariah and Elizabeth live. And upon arrival, look at verse 40 with me. She enters the house. She greets Elizabeth. And at that very moment, verse 41 says, at the sound of Mary's greeting, at the very sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaps within her. And Elizabeth, at that very second, is filled with the Holy Spirit. Check this out. At the very moment, at the sound of Mary's voice, John, Elizabeth's baby in her womb, leaps within her, and Elizabeth, at this very moment, is filled with the Spirit of God. It says Elizabeth gives us this glad cry, this joyful, joy-filled cry, and exclaims to Mary, God has blessed you above all women. Your child is blessed. Why am I so honored? that the mother of my Lord would visit me. I mean, look at the faith that Elizabeth has here. I mean, she understands the gravity. She said, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb leaped, jumped for joy. See, John, the infant in her womb, reacted was filled with joy and Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit, which means she's also filled with joy. God came near through the anointing of Mary and brought great joy to John and Elizabeth. It's as if joy sought them out. Man, I love that. I saw a tweet this last week. Said this, um, Sharon Hody Miller says, pregnancy looms large in Luke 1, which contains not one, but two birth narratives in it. Why? Because at Advent, God invites us to consider whether the darkness that feels so much like a tomb might actually be a womb. Man, listen, don't miss that this morning. In this season of Advent, Advent meaning arrival, the expectation, the longing, the waiting, the, the period of spiritual preparation, if you will, where people made themselves ready for the coming or the birth of the Lord, the Messiah. We live in a, in, a, in a season of Advent where we're waiting for the coming, the returning of Jesus. The generations have passed, prophecies passed down. They were waiting. The generations lived through the silence. They're waiting. Zachariah and Elizabeth's story, they're waiting. But what about us, right? What about, um, what about you, what about your family? What promise of God are you waiting on? Have you been praying for? You know, what blessing of God are you asking for? Could it be that, that, that any season of suffering or seeming silence where God might have seemed absent, could it be that even in that darkness of that moment, God is making a way for provision? I kind of wonder if that's what the 400 years was all about. It's not that God was bored doing nothing. 
making a way. Could it be what feels like a tomb you're in is actually a womb of new birth? Could it be that God has already made a way and that even in your season of waiting, you are right now pregnant with his promise? Could it be? See, may the knowledge of the provision of God's promise fill you with the presence of joy today. Listen to me. When God comes near, he will fill you with his presence of joy. When God comes near, God can take what you think is barren and turn it into a blessing. We can stop striving in our limitations because our God has no limits. So this Advent season, no matter the waiting, we wait in hope. No matter the waiting, we can wait in peace. No matter the waiting, we can wait in joy. Why? Joy is seeking you out this Christmas season. Just like he sought out Mary and Elizabeth and John. Now, there's a story in John chapter 4 as we close, and I'm going to invite the band up here. This divine appointment between Jesus and this woman from Samaria. Maybe you've heard the story before. Here's Jesus, a Jewish rabbi. He's traveling through an area where most Jews wouldn't want to even be caught dead. Samaria, meeting with a woman alone. This is another no-no. The disciples go look for food. It's around noontime. This well that he goes to where he has this encounter, he knows most of the time women go in the evening, not in the hottest part of the day. She's coming in the hottest part of the day. Um, theologians believe probably because She's likely trying to avoid the ridicule and the verbal backlash because she's got a reputation for being a home wrecker, y'all. She's had five husbands and now she's living with someone else. And here she is encountering Jesus, this Jewish rabbi, and he asks her for a drink at her well. She's surprised. She's shocked, right? Verse nine, she's completely shocked. She says, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink, right? Jesus says, if you only knew, I love this verse so much. He says, if you only, go to the next one. She says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you'd ask me. If you only knew the gift that God has for you, you'd ask me. See, it's here that this seeming controversial conversation is going to turn into a life-changing conversion. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, right? She says, this well's very deep. Where are you going to get this living water? And look what she says, sir. Notice the three words. What does she say? What are the three words highlighted? Say it louder and prouder. You don't have, right? How many times have we become stuck in the you don't haves? Listen to me. Sir, you have limits. You ain't got no rope. You ain't got no bucket. This well's really deep. You got limits. So how, where, what is this living water you speak of? Twelve. And besides, who do you think you are? That's what she says. You think you're greater than Jacob? It's here Jesus offers compassion with this invitation to abundant and eternal life. No matter the current situation, no matter the cultural differences, this woman wants the gift that Jesus offers her. Look at 15. Please give me this water, she says. Something so compelling. Give me this water. See, it's not just about the water. It's also the restoration of dignity. Most assuredly, this lady's been through a lot. She's most likely well acquainted with sadness and suffering, most likely well acquainted with seasons of waiting, most likely well acquainted with seeking and longing. And here Jesus just kind of reads her email, right? 
hey, go get your husband. Uh, I don't really have one. You're right, you've had five. And now the one that you're with, not even your man. Oh, you must be a prophet. See, the woman knows. There's, a prof- there's prophecies of this Messiah. She knows, even though she's a Samaritan woman of ill repute, if you will. She knows. But look at what 28 says. The woman leaves her water jar beside the well. She runs back to the village telling everybody, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the one we've been waiting for? So the people come, right? See, much like our story with Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary, God came near to the Samaritan woman. And when he came near, he brought a great presence of joy. See, this woman most likely believed her best days were behind her. She had struggled through five failed marriages and now she's doing all she can just to survive. I'm sure like Zachariah and Elizabeth, she probably had given up long ago on hope. She gave up long ago on peace. What would joy look like if it bit her in the backside? Right? She probably abandoned um, any hope for anything better. She's embraced, watch this, she's embraced the barrenness of her undignified existence by now. And again, I hope you can hear this message. When God comes near, he will fill you with the presence of joy. God can take what you think is barren and turn it into blessing. While there are limitations of what man can do, there are no limits to what God can do. I love what Jesus says to this woman. He says, if you only knew the gift, if you only knew the gift that God has for you, you'd be, a, you'd be if you only knew who you were speaking to, <laughs> You'd ask me. Don't forget our theme verse, James 1. Remember, every good and perfect gift. God wants to give you a gift this Christmas season. And maybe you feel like you're stuck in your barrenness. But God wants to breathe blessing. If you only knew the gift. See, Jesus wants to give this woman the present of the presence of joy. In her story, we see a woman crippled in shame, broken and marked by a life of barrenness. We, but, but she finds the assurance of the presence of hope in him. What once marked a lack, a lack of dignity, a life that's just full of a lack of dignity, now it's found new life of intimacy, right? If you only knew the gift that God has for you and who it is that is drawing near to you right now. See, Jesus loves, listen, Jesus loves you. Jesus has a gift for you this season. Jesus wants to give you the presence of joy. I believe that today, really that, I really believe this. God wants to to give the presence of joy. So as we close, look at verse 28 and realize she left her water jar. She runs to tell everyone. See, when God unleashes joy in your life, the presence of joy produces a contagious passion. And this brings me to the very last thing that I want you to see today. Last point, you ready for this? Joy, joy. Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. There's the first three right there that we've already looked at for three weeks. And it goes on. It's the fruit of the Holy. Joy is the contagious byproduct of the Spirit of God living inside of you. So much, listen, much like the stories that we've looked at today, Elizabeth 
carries John, who will prepare the way. Mary carries Jesus, who will be the way. We carry the presence of joy within us because joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? In fact, stand to your feet if you will. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you today for joy. Thank you, Jesus, for joy. God, I pray that you would unleash joy, that you would just let faith rise up in the room today. Lord, I don't know what we're walking through. I don't know what we're waiting on. I don't know the places of our hearts and lives that feel barren, but I know that you're the God of blessing. You're the God of hope. You're the God of peace. You're the God of joy. God, fill us with the presence of joy today. Because, Jesus, our faith is in you. Our hope is in you. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, do what only you can do in our hearts and in our minds and our lives. Take the barren places and breathe blessing. There are no limits to what you can do. We can focus on our, we don't haves, but we know the one who owns it all, who has it all, and who gave it all, and who still gives it all. And so we thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and you need the presence of joy, you've been a season, a season of Advent, a season of waiting, you need the presence of joy. Would you just hold a hand up? I want to pray for you. I just need joy. Thank you. I need, I need joy to be rekindled in my life. Thank you. Thank you. I need joy. I need, thank you. I need joy. Jesus, you see these with hands all over the room being raised. I need joy. Maybe we're on, online at home. I need joy. Would you just breathe the blessing of joy today? And if there's any of us here in the room or at home who don't, we don't know the person of joy. We need to surrender our life to receive the gift of joy. I pray that right now we would stop where we are and we would say, Jesus, we surrender our life to you. Would you do that right now? If you need Jesus today, not religion, not church, all those things are the fruit of that stuff. I'm talking, I need Jesus. Would you just invite him right now to take charge of your life? He wants to give you the gift of forgiveness. He wants to give you the gift of freedom. He wants to give you the gift of friendship with God. He's gonna do it right now at that moment of your confession. Jesus, I need you. I want you. He's going to empty you of all of the pain of the past, the shame. And he's going to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And the fruit of that will be joy. Joy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe today you need to take the next step in your faith. Whether that be giving your life to Christ or maybe you would like prayer and need to be contacted by one of our pastors. In the podcast description, you will find a link to our website and a link to an online connection card. And if you feel led, there will also be a link there where you can give directly to the ministries of Declaration Online. We would love to hear from you. God bless you and have a wonderful week.